Welcome to Sure Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. The following sermon was preached on July 16th, 2023, on the basis of Isaiah 55, verses 6 to 11. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The, the place in the United States that receives the most average annual snowfall is Mount Rainier. Mount Rainier in the state of Washington receives on average 54 feet of snow, which sounds awful. <laughs> Until you realize that the melt from that snow waters the surrounding area, and that area of the country produces 62% of the nation's cherries, 72% of the nation's apples, and 90% of the nation's raspberries. The, the place in the United States that receives the most average rainfall is Sapphire, North Carolina, or, or somewhere near there. On average, they receive 100 inches of rain per year, which sounds awful, <laughs> Until you have the opportunity to to see those beautiful forests that are there, hike through those really tall trees. Our maker provides us with rain and snow, and, and that is a blessing to us. If we've learned anything over the last few months, it's how much we, we should appreciate the precipitation that we get. It's been so dry here, right? Which is why we can be so thankful for a thunderstorm like we had just this last week. We needed it. God provided it. We're thankful for it. And today, Isaiah is saying that the rain and the snow teach us something about God's word. That just as the rain and the snow fall from heaven, just as they come from God, so also the word comes from God. And just as God sends the rain and the snow to to nourish our world and to provide, to produce fruit for us, so also he sends his word to produce fruit within us. So also he sends his word that, that does wonderful things in the hearts of those who hear it. Isaiah is the one proclaiming this message, and as I kind of said in the introduction, he had a pretty interesting ministry, interesting context for ministry, especially for the, in the history of the Israelites. If you're, if you're trying to place Isaiah, where exactly is Isaiah in, in the Bible here? He's about halfway between Moses and Matthew. Okay, So we're kind of uh, 700 years before Jesus is going to come. That's right where Isaiah was. Now, the Israelites had a turbulent history. As you read through the Bible, you, you can see that. But Isaiah was ministering at a time when things were good. Uh, life was good. People were enjoying a whole lot of prosperity. Now, that wasn't going to last for too long. Isaiah himself would prophesy about how the Babylonians were going to be the ones who, who came and destroyed Jerusalem and carried them off into exile. That was new, not too far in the distant future. But for now, things were good. And if you had the opportunity to, to sit down with Isaiah and ask, to, ask him how ministry was going for him, uh, he would tell you that the, the prosperity that the people were experiencing, and how they handled prosperity, it, it didn't do them well uh, in their walk with God. 
People had given in to, to greed. They had a lot of things that were very prosperous, but they always wanted more. They were always looking at the next thing that they could add. They were never content with what they had. People in positions of authority were lining their pockets instead of helping people. Uh, judges were, were letting the guilty go free for, for just a, a bribe, uh, just so they could make a little extra money. People were eating too much, they were drinking too much, and they were praising each other for how great they were at mixing drinks. They had forgotten God. Worship for them had been a a to-do to check off throughout the week, a little box to to get done, if if it was that at all, if they even worshipped the Lord at all. Their, Their full barns and their full bellies had convinced them they didn't need God anymore. At least not like they used to need God, not like our ancestors needed God. We've surpassed that. We've gone beyond that. And so God, of course, has a word for these people, for these Israelites. And he's going to share that word through Isaiah. Uh, this wasn't in our, our text for today, but this is a part from earlier in Isaiah. I'm going to put it up here for us here. Uh, Isaiah speaks harsh words of law against the people that had given in had handled their prosperity poorly. He says, Therefore, as tongues of fire lick up straw, and as dry grass sinks down in the flames, so their roots will decay and their flowers blow away like dust. For they have rejected the law of the Lord Almighty and spurned the word of the Holy One of Israel. Therefore, the Lord's anger burns against his people. His hand is raised and he strikes them down. These are the words of a holy God, a holy God who demands holiness. He's always warned us about the deceptive ideas that humans share. That buying into those deceptive ideas, that that owning those ideas as our own can can lead us to destruction. He's always warned us about the, the pull that money has over our sinful hearts, that we can fall in love with money and with things, and that that greed can, can overtake our heart. He, he has always found drunkenness repulsive and irresponsible. He has always hated and burned with anger against those who are in positions of authority, but use those positions of authority to do evil or to serve only themselves. And so, through Isaiah, his prophet, He speaks this harsh word of law against these people. Now, Isaiah was sharing this uncensored, right? He's he's just passing on the message from from the Lord. And don't think for one second that Isaiah is passing this message on with this holier-than-thou attitude, um, that, that he was somehow better than the people that he was sharing this message with. As you read through the book of Isaiah, you see that that's not true either. Isaiah knew that there was sin within his own heart, a sin that he needed a savior for. But, but the difference in Isaiah is that, that he knew that it was the grace of God that had turned God's anger away from him. He knew that God was not going to do what he has proclaimed to the people here because he, has been, he is going to be gracious to Isaiah. He's going to choose to, to forgive him instead. He, here's some, some beautiful words from Isaiah proclaiming the fact that he knew that he deserved God's anger But he knew that that God was a gracious God. He says, I will praise you, Lord. Although you were angry with me, your anger has turned away 
and you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Your anger has turned away and you have comforted me. Isaiah knew that God had every single right and ability to, to punish him that, that he could have. But you know, he knew that God was a gracious God, that God chose to forgive him, to show him love, to give him grace instead. And the reason why is also something that Isaiah knows and that Isaiah proclaims to his people too. This is why God is a God that you, you can come to and come before, that you're not scared here as we say we are coming into the presence of the Lord. We come here and, and we come into the presence of the Lord and we're happy to do that because we know what Isaiah knows about God. That he was going to send his suffering servant. Isaiah wrote about that in beautiful words in, in his book. He, he wrote about this suffering servant in, his, in a specific section called the servant songs. The servant that, that is in these sections here, it's Jesus. 700 years before Jesus comes, he's proclaiming that, that Jesus is going to come to wipe away all of our sins, that Jesus is going to be the suffering servant, which is why God can forgive us. Listen to this section. Here's a little excerpt here from Isaiah 53. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed." We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. God has forgiven you. He's forgiven us of all of our sins. He has forgiven us for the times that we've hated authority or we've misused our own authority. He's forgiven us for the times that we've held grudges against other people or left a trail of pain behind us. He has washed you clean of all of your sexual sins and all of your secret lusts. He has cleansed you. He has cleansed you of your drunkenness and your slander. And he did this because he put all of those things on Jesus. He put all of those things on his suffering servant, on his son. He has laid on him the iniquity of us all, and by his wounds, by his death, by his resurrection, we are healed. So keep those words floating in your head that we've gone through here, but, but remember the words from our text today. We're going to read it again in a second here. That he is, his word does not return to him empty, but it accomplishes what, what he wants it to. Jesus is the word. He's the word that came from heaven. He's the word that came to accomplish God's good purposes. Do you remember how, how John chapter 1 begins? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus is the word. He's the word that came from God. He's the word that came and accomplished his purpose, saving you and me. Earthquake, fire, hurricane, tornado, lightning strike. I'm sure there's more you can add to, to this list here. Um, and any insurance people out there can probably add more to this list. But insurance companies list those things, those natural disasters as acts of God. 
and the insurance companies and the, the lawyers have gotten together and they have a definition for acts of God, things that cannot be prevented or controlled by humans. I thought that was kind of cool. And I thought it apply, applied a lot to the Word of God. The Word of God is, is like an act of God. It can't be controlled by humans. Which is exactly what Isaiah is kind of saying here. That the Word is powerful. It accomplishes what God wants it to accomplish, not what humans want it to accomplish. So listen to these words again from, from Isaiah. I can't remember if I have this up here. Yes, I do. As the rain and snow come down from heaven... And do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purposes for which I sent it. The word is that powerful. And you know how we know today? Because it cuts through human arrogance, it cuts through human fear, sadness, it cuts through complacency, it cuts through it all because it is that powerful and it's not only powerful but it's effective it does exactly what god wants it to do it achieves the exact purpose that god sent it for which is extremely comforting right and at the same time a little frustrating a little hard to hear because it it happens the way god wants it to it doesn't happen it, it doesn't work how we want it to it doesn't work on our timeline and it doesn't produce what we want it to produce all the time. You may be caught that in the gospel reading for today a little bit, right? You have this, this farmer that's sowing seed. He's just throwing it out there recklessly. And that seed is, is representative of the gospel in that parable, right? So we're planting the gospel. We're throwing it out there. But you can't make it grow. And if it does grow, guess what? You don't get to take the credit for it either because it's the Lord working in all of this. He says, to accomplish what he desires, and achieve the purpose for which he sent it. Which maybe that's a little frustrating, but at the same time, if you take a step back and look at it from a different angle, oh, it's so freeing. It's so freeing in those those conversations that start to move a little bit spiritual, and you're wondering, you're kind of scared, should I take that step? Should I I actually embrace that and have that conversation? Uh, It gives you freedom and resiliency to face even the prospect of, rejection. Uh, Because you can do your best to pass on the word. You can do your best to plant the seed of the gospel in somebody's heart, but you can't make them believe and you can't believe for them. But what you can do is you can plant that seed and trust that God's word will not return to him empty. That it will accomplish the purpose for which God has sent it. I think some of you have heard me say this before. It's a comfort that I take into evangelism circumstances. Um, and it's certainly not original with me. But what I heard one time was, uh, they can't unhear what you say. They can't unhear what you say. So if you, if you go and you, you have a conversation with somebody, that conversation moves spiritual, you take the jump, and they immediately get defensive. Or they, they shut down the conversation really quick because they, they got a little nervous. Or they, they even start arguing with you right away. No, no matter what it was, they can't unhear what you said. What you said is planted like a seed in their mind, and you can't make it grow, but God can. God can make that seed of the gospel grow, bud, flourish, produce fruit. That's what he did in you, after all. 
But it's not going to happen in your way. It's not going to happen on your timeline, but on, on God's. It's great comfort as we're, as we're thinking about telling somebody else about Jesus, somebody that you're probably thinking about right now, that, that you're praying about, that you're praying comes to, to know Jesus as their, their Savior. But it's a great comfort for you too, personally. Don't, don't miss that for yourself, that the Word of God is, is powerful and it is effective in you too. You know how I know? Because you're sitting here today. Because <laughs> you're sitting here today because you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and you believe that it has real meaning for your life right here, right now. Even 2,000 years ago that happened and you, you still believe that, that this has everlasting value for you. You have come to faith because of the word and because of the word connected to the sacrament and it has produced fruit not just of salvation within you, but, but the fruit of good works within you as well. So my encouragement today for you is continue to use that powerful, effective word. Talk about it with other people. Talk about it in the car ride home. Ask questions to each other about it. Don't be afraid to speak about it to somebody else. Ask, ask questions of, of, of me or of somebody who you, you look up to. Uh, in, the, in the congregation that you, you want to learn a little bit more about God's word and you, you go to them to, to work things out. Uh, pray through portions of it. Sing through portions of it. Meditate on portions of it. Memorize portions of it. And, and most of all, cherish it. <laughs> because this is God's everlasting word that, that unlocks everlasting life. And as Isaiah promised, it will not return to God empty. Amen. Hey, Pastor Wilkie here. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Hey, could you do us a favor? Could you hit like or, or subscribe on wherever you're listening to this podcast? That really helps us get seen by more people so that more people might hear about Jesus and, and hear the same message that you're hearing. We hope you, you come back and, and enjoy a, another sermon next week. God bless.